My sermon this morning is, is kind of a personal pilgrimage that I went through, learning how to cope with life and faith and put the two of them together. Because a faith that's only good for Sunday mornings or only good for good times is no faith at all. And so what do you do when something bad comes into your life, when something unexpected happens and turns things upside down? How do you make sense of that? Is there a God? Does he care? Does it really matter? What difference does faith make? So I have some passages of scripture, John 16 and Matthew 7, that kind of helped me guide through this process of linking life and faith together. And I hope it will help you. Matthew 16, 29 says, His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly, not in any figure. Now we know that you know all things and need none and need none to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe the hour is coming? Indeed it has come when you'll be scattered, every man to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I've said this to you that you may have peace in the world. You may have peace, for in the world you have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In Matthew 7, a picture of what God's like. Verse 9. What man of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And then he goes on to say, whatever you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Let's bow together. Father, you have given us faith. And it's easy to believe when things go well. But what happens when they don't go so well? <laughs> How do we cope? Where does faith intersect with life? Does it even make a difference in how we live? Give us faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tragedy, disaster, disease, death. It always seemed to happen to someone else until it happened to me. My life up until that point had been the embodiment of Psalm 16.6. It says, the lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. Life was easy. Life was good. I could do pretty much anything I wanted to do. A's, making A's in school weren't hard for me. Be president of the club, captain of the team, whatever. No one I loved had ever been seriously ill or sick or had died. But on August 21st, 1995, all of that drastically changed. August 21st, 1995 was a Monday afternoon. And in South Carolina, Mondays were my days off. And so I, I like to do my own things. And I spent it that day visiting nursing homes in Florence in Darlington, South Carolina. <laughs> August 1995 was before the advent of cell phones, and I hadn't gotten a bag phone or a pager because in that day, 
Believe it or not, I actually enjoyed driving in peace, in solitude, uninterrupted, undistracted with my thoughts and prayers. You, you see, that was before the days of cell phones. So I, what I did not know was that Susan had been trying to reach me all day and whichever nursing home I had just left, she was trying to reach and trying to catch up with me. She needed to tell me that my father had fallen at home that morning and bumped his head on a chest. And in the process of taking him to the ER for stitches, his heart stopped and he died unexpectedly. I got home that evening and she took me into the den and told me to sit down that she had some news to tell me. Nothing bad had ever come into my life before and I wasn't prepared for when something might. And I remember my first words out of my mouth were, but there were so many things I wanted to tell him. I had lived literally a charmed life and I wasn't prepared for a challenge to my faith in God. And what I needed to do was make some sense out of faith and life and how the two are supposed to go together. Is there a God? Does he care? What difference does faith make? A faith only for good times and only for Sundays is no faith at all. So what are we to make of faith in the bad times? How are we to get through the tragedies of life? Where is God in all of this? And I imagine some of you have been through this same pilgrimage and some of you may be watching by television or there right now. Why do bad things happen in this good world that God supposedly created? So let me give you some things that have helped me as I've come to terms with that through faith because I was going to hang on to God no matter what. And they all begin with the letter F, the facts, the father, and the future. And the first thing I want to talk about is we can make some sense out of life and faith by recognizing these three things. First, recognize the facts. Life, it's a fact that life is going to be a mixed bag of good and bad. It just is. From birth to death, we are confronted and challenged at different times by all kinds of difficulties. Jesus recognized that and he stated it very clearly. He said, in this world, in John 17, you are going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It wasn't a curse he was pronouncing. It was just a prophecy. It was a statement of the facts. And this same Jesus, who so matter-of-factly in the Sermon on the Mount said that God causes a sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, Matthew 5, 45. And isn't that just the way it is? Good things come to good people and bad people. Bad things come to good people and bad people. That's just the way it is. Can you look at this world we live in and make a case that God grants preferential treatment to his people? Of course not. Because if you took a, a survey of everyone in the hospital right now, would they all be unbelievers? Of course not. And if coming to church kept you out of the hospital or the funeral home, don't you think churches would be full? But we know in good times and bad times, they come without respect to our religious convictions. The obvious fact is that God's people are not necessarily God's pets, at least not in the sense that they are spared suffering in this life. Because if you don't believe me, just look at the Bible and the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles, because time and time again, they suffered. And often that suffering began right after they took a stand for God or took a stand for Christ. Many of them died untimely deaths because 
They refuse to deny Jesus. And if you want to see that in the world today, all you've got to do is look around because people are dying for their faith everywhere. So why then do tragedies come? Basically, they could come for any number of reasons, but I listed three here under the facts. The first one is the bad decisions we make. I hate to say that, but when someone runs up their credit card debt up to their eyeballs and overdraws their bank account and creditors are calling night and day and they say, God, why did you do this to me? Can we just be honest here and say God didn't do that? You did it to yourself by the decisions you made. You see, we live in a world where God has given us human freedom. He had a choice when he set up this world and he could have controlled everything and made us robots or puppets and, and, orchestrate, and orchestrated everything that happened. But God wanted in freedom for us to choose to love him sincerely and genuinely. And so in that freedom, we make choices and our choices have consequences. And sometimes we bemoan in life the, the things that come as a result of the poor choices that we ourselves have made. Because God chose in his sovereignty to give us human freedom. And so he doesn't control everything that happens. I was thinking about this this week. If, if you wanted God just to control the bad things and give you freedom for the good things, then where would that stop? And if, what if something bad for you is good for me? And so he gave us freedom. And when we are free to choose, sometimes we choose poorly and suffer the consequences. Secondly, sometimes bad things happen because of the bad decisions that others make that impact us. If a drunk driver crosses the line and hits you on your side of the road, you're a victim of someone else's irresponsible acts. That's not God's fault. And in a world as crowded as ours, often decisions that others make affect us. But there's still decisions that people make, bad decisions that someone makes, not God. When our young people are sent off to war and lose their lives, God didn't cause the war. There is a, a dictator somewhere or a tyrant in some part of the world that decided that he wanted more money or more land or more power. And so he started a war. Or there's a, a religion somewhere, and I'll just call it um, radical Islam. And they thought they could beat people into submission through violence and fear. And that decision has led to conflict and death of countless innocent lives. God's not behind that. Evil is behind that. Radical Islam is behind that. A, a, a tyrant, a dictator somewhere is behind that. Sometimes bad things happen just because our world is fallen. Romans 8, Paul says, verses 20 through 22, the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. When God created this world in the Garden of Eden, it was perfect. But sin came into the world and our creation fell along with us and, and the sin that, that caused it. But our creation is groaning 
and frustrated awaiting its ultimate liberation with us as children of God. So in our world, even nature has been caught up in this pain of life. I can't account for all the bad things that happen in this world or that come our way. But I just want you to acknowledge that a lot of the evil in our world is not that mysterious. Troubles and pain come like rain falling here and falling there on Christian, on the non-Christian, on the agnostic. As a matter of fact, that's just the way life is. Jesus never wrote a song to my knowledge, but if he did, he might have sung someone else's opening line. You remember that old song, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. He didn't. He promised, that, he promised just the opposite, that our life would have trouble. And we can make better sense of it if we recognize that fact. So let's remember the facts. And secondly, let's just remember who our Father is. And, and that comes from Matthew 7, 9 through 11. If, you're, if you ask your earthly father for bread, is he going to give you a stone? If you ask him for a fish, is he going to give you a serpent? Of course not. Because that's not how your earthly father loves. And if your earthly father won't do that, that is just a small comparison to what your heavenly father does and how much he loves you. Many, many times more than your earthly father. So God's not going to give you a stone or a serpent. He's going to give you what is good because he loves you and he wants the very best for you. You want to know what God is like? Jesus said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father, John 14, 9. And when you look at Jesus, you'll think that much of what we think about God revealed by our words and our ways are not at all in keeping with who God really is. Because we try to compartmentalize things. We try to make sense of things. And when something happens that just don't make sense, then we have to blame it on God. Plug that into what people tell folks when they're sick. Sometimes I've heard people say, well, God won't put more on you than you can stand. Have you heard that? Do you realize what you're saying? You're making God the subject of that sentence. And you're implying that God won't put more on you than you can stand, that God is causing your problems. Is that what you really think? Is that what you really believe? that God goes around giving people sickness, that God causes cancer. There isn't a, a parent here who would give his son or daughter cancer or any other disease for that matter. So what comfort is there then in saying that our heavenly father would do what no earthly father would not even dream of doing? If Jesus is the best picture of God that we have, then consider the fact that Jesus never afflicted anyone with a disease. As a matter of fact, he did the opposite. He healed the blind. He healed the lame, the palsied, the crippled. He never caused anyone to suffer from any disease. Why? Because God is your father and he loves you and he would not do that. Your earthly father wouldn't do that and your heavenly father sure wouldn't do that because he's a better parent than that. Well, I've heard people say, well, preacher, God just doesn't make a mistake. And that's true. God doesn't make mistakes. But you're implying once again that God brought this terrible affliction about. God doesn't do that. 
The Lord told the people of Israel through the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 18, he told the people to stop running around and saying things about him that just are not true. Stop trying to explain away or excuse things with some platitude like, well, it's just God's will. You don't know that. I don't know that. The Bible never says that. Read it from beginning to end, searching for God's will. And about the clearest statement you'll have is Jesus' statement that we are to love God and love each other. God's will is that we all be saved. And to be saved basically means to love God and follow Jesus and obey his commandments. When a child dies, I've heard someone come up to someone in the funeral home and say, well, God just needed another little flower in his garden. You ever heard that? What are you saying? That God took the life of that child to fill up his garden? Really? God doesn't kill children. He doesn't commit murder. And by the way, he commanded us not to, not to do that either. Now, some will argue with me, well, well, preacher, doesn't it say in Hebrews 12 that God chastens those whom he loves? Yes, God does chasten, but chasten means to discipline. Now, how do you discipline a child? You don't give them a disease. Discipline that results in death is not discipline, that's murder. Discipline that leaves a child scarred and marred for life is not love, that's abuse. God does discipline his children, but he does not abuse them. The love we have for our children, remember, is only a hint, an indication of an even greater love that God as our Heavenly Father has for his children. Some of the best theology about God we learned as children. Thank God. What is our Heavenly Father like? You remember the blessing you learned before your mealtime? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. That's good. God is great. Yes, he is good. He is a source of all good things, so let's thank him for it. By his hands we're fed. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. So let's recognize the facts for what they are. Sometimes, let's recognize the Father for who he is. And let's be comforted that the best parent of all is our Heavenly Father. So remember the facts. Remember the Father. And finally, remember the future. Folks, this world is not our home. We're just passing through, aren't we? So we need to keep our eyes on the future. Christianity is a faith that's rooted in the present, but we always have an eye toward the future. We're always looking forward. This past Wednesday night in Bible study, I used a line that I had read somewhere. It said, you learn from life looking back, but you live from life looking forward. You learn from life looking back, but you live your life looking forward. So you learn from the mistakes of the past. You live in the present. But you're always, as Christians, anticipating the world to come for which these brief years here on this earthly planet are just a preparation. God's people all through the Bible are drawn toward a time and a place where it says, not yet, not yet. We're always being called to be patient 
and wait for what is to unfold. Peter said we are aliens and strangers in a foreign land. So let's face it, this world is not the best of all possible worlds. The Christian faith has proclaimed from beginning to end that this world is passing and we're just passing through it. It is flawed. Its its flaws are fatal. It happened in the Garden of Eden when sin entered in. But after this, John says in Revelation, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and there'll be no more death or mourning or pain or crying or tears anymore. Because something better is yet to come. And we need to remember that. God is blamed for so much for which he is simply not responsible. I keep thinking about a young man, God bless him, whose brother was killed on a motorcycle and he told a friend and the friend told Catherine and she told us this story. He was so angry at God that his brother was killed on a motorcycle. He was, he's an agnostic and he said, if there is a God, he owes me an apology. And I, I was talking with Catherine. I said, how can you blame God for the motorcycle accident? Was God driving the motorcycle? Was God causing the young man to, to race on the motorcycle? Did God cause the motorcycle to lose control? Could God have stopped the motorcycle midair? Yes. But once again, where do you stop and where do you start? What bad things do you blame God for? What good things do you want God to, to allow to happen? God gave us freedom to make choices. And sometimes those choices have consequences that are painful. Let me close with a story I, I used a few years ago. It sums up this point very well about the future. A missionary had served many years overseas and was retiring. He was coming home on a ship. He was alone, his wife having died on the mission field a few years earlier. He was weary. He had poured out his entire life in his ministry overseas. And as the ship was coming into port, the missionary was standing on the, on the side and he looked over and he saw a band that began to play and banners that were being strung from pole to pole. And he didn't think anybody would take such notice of his arrival, much less welcome him home with such wonderful fanfare. His heart was lifted. He was encouraged until the ship moved closer and he was able to read the banners and realize they weren't for him at all. They were for a movie star who had been in Europe briefly filming a movie and was returning to the States. And the missionary's heart fell and his countenance dropped and his voice whispered, why, Lord, why? I have served you faithfully all these years. Why no homecoming for me? And in the pause afterward, he heard, as it were, God's voice in answer saying, but son, you're not home yet. Folks, we aren't home yet, are we? It's as simple as that. 
We're still dwelling in this world that has its share of troubles. And it'll be much easier and much better for us if we can get through these troubles, recognizing these few things I mentioned. There's some facts that people make bad choices. Sometimes it's not ours. Sometimes it's someone else's. It's a mixed bag, even for the people of God. And let's remember the Father and recognize Him for who He is, that He is a good and loving God and He would not bring evil or harm into our lives. He would, he would do nothing to us that the very best parent in the world has ever seen would not do. Let's recognize the future. Remembering what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 17 and 18. This slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison because we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. There's something better waiting and God is using these brief years we have on this world to prepare for the better that is yet to come. Let's bow together. Father, as I look across this congregation, I don't see a single person here today that has not experienced pain or struggle or sadness. So that myth of a charmed life might be true for somebody who's very young. But the longer we live, the more difficulties we face. And if our faith is shallow, those early difficulties may cause us to stumble and become angry and look for someone to blame. And if there's no one nearby, then we'll just blame you. But help us, Lord, in our faith to realize what a good and loving Father you are and how you placed us here with freedom to make choices with consequences and for others to make choices with consequences and sometimes those consequences hurt. And in this world there is sickness and death and even this world is groaning in travail looking forward to a time of tribulation and liberation and freedom. Help us, God, to trust you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen.